My name is Stephanie. If we haven't met before, it's great to be spending this morning with you. Uh, genuinely, it's great to be here. It's great to be connecting with everyone online. We're so happy you're here and that we get to worship and spend time in the Word together. So I hope you guys um, have, yeah, very prayerful and ready to receive because um, the Lord has something great for each of us this morning. So as we've been talking about this Advent services, we've been talking about sources of light, as Jesus is the light for everyone. And so as a way to kind of bring the Christmas story that we hear every year to life in a new way, we've been looking at light sources in the Christmas story as well throughout Scripture. And this Sunday, I want to talk about this light source, which is an oil lamp. It is very small. <laughs> and we're actually going to pass this around, Tim, if you don't mind helping me. If you don't want to touch it for COVID safety reasons, just put your hands up, and it will go along the way. Um, and we've got a picture for those joining us online. Uh, now, this oil lamp is not something that I traveled and excavated from an ancient site. It was purchased online. Um, but it is a model of the oil lamps used in ancient Israel and in biblical times. Um, and if you can tell when it comes to you as you're touching it and feeling it, um, it's a bit scruffy, <laughs> a bit rough around the edges. And that's because these oil lamps were often made from clay, which means most households had access to these. It wasn't something expensive only for higher households. It was an ordinary, everyday object. Um, nothing too fancy to look at, just something that in the evening, that's what you did. So you lit your oil lamp and you got about your evening. And you'll also notice it's quite small. It fits in the palm of your hands. And that's because people would often light it and then carry it around as they do chores. I'm sure prepare meals maybe. Um, and it sometimes had designs on it. There um, is a picture that we've got here that shows sometimes people would carve designs that would represent maybe their faith. So if they were pagan, they would carve pagan gods into it as like a blessing to their home. Christians would carve Christian fishes and Cairo into it to announce their faith so that every time they lit their oil lamp, that was shown. But for the most part, what we've seen in this oil lamp, what you'll see as it comes around, is what they had those days. And I like to imagine if that was a real ancient family's oil lamp, that maybe there'd be a bit more scruffs and cracks from where the kids thought that they could handle it and then dropped it um, or knocked it off of some table. Uh, maybe around the spout there would be a lot of blackness where people have just lit wick after wick after wick um, after using it on such a daily basis. And we're talking about this oil lamp and this ordinary mundane object because I want to talk about a really ordinary girl this morning, Mary and how she, in her normalness, in the fact that there was nothing necessarily special about her, still carried a profound light by carrying Jesus, light of the world. And this speaks to us today because if we're honest with one another and with ourselves, um, we're all relatively ordinary. I mean, you're all lovely. <laughs> I feel like looking around the room, I know most people here, and I can say for a fact, I love you all. You're wonderful. Um, but we're just people, <laughs> just another person in this world, in our town, in our communities. Um, and so the story of Mary and the visual of this oil lamp, if we really let us, can speak to us today how God uses ordinary things because it's not about us, it's about him. 
So let's start with Mary's story in Luke 1. Um, I'm going to be reading from Luke 1, verses 26 to 38. And just before we do a bit of context, Luke 1 starts the telling of Jesus' birth by talking about Elizabeth, Mary's cousin. Elizabeth was older in her age and unable to bear children, but through a miracle of God, she became with child. Um, and so we find Mary off the back of Elizabeth's story. So we're going to be reading from Luke 1, verses 26 to 38. So starting in verse 26, and the word should come on the screen there. It says, When Elizabeth was six months pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee, to a virgin who was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David's house. The virgin's name was Mary. When the angel came to her, he said, Rejoice, favored one, the Lord is with you. She was confused by those words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said, don't be afraid, Mary. God is honoring you. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father. He will rule over Jacob's house forever, and there will be no end to his kingdom. Then Mary said to the angel, how will this happen since I haven't had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come over you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the one who is to be born will be holy. He will be called God's son. Look, even in her old age, your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son. This woman who was labeled unable to conceive is now six months pregnant. Nothing is impossible for God. Then Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just as you have said. Then the angel left her. Now, if I was Mary, I'd have a couple follow-up questions for the angel, <laughs> personally speaking. Um, one of which, I don't know if you maybe feel the same way, but if I was in Mary's shoes, one question I'd be asking is, who am I? Who am I to carry the Son of God, something holy, I mean, Mary was a woman of faith. Yes, she grew up in the Jewish tradition, and those names that are used, Jacob and David, we know they resonated with her, and we'll hear a bit more about that in a minute, but she was an ordinary girl, and so she could have asked the question, well, why me? Who am I? Or maybe you might feel if you were Mary's shoes, you'd think, oh, I'm so holy. <laughs> me? <laughs> oh, me. <laughs> I guess um, I'm really awesome. Thanks, angel. <laughs> But Mary's response was, I am the Lord's servant. And I believe that why she didn't ask, who am I? Or didn't all of a sudden get, let me tell you who I am, because I must be pretty great. The reason why her response was, I am the Lord's servant, is not because she knew so well who she was and what she was capable of, but because she knew who God was. She knew his character. She knew who he was to her people, the faithfulness and, and the person that he had shown to her. And it's from that place that she said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be done as you have said it. And we know this for a fact because later in Luke, Mary, after meeting with her cousin Elizabeth um, and sharing and encouraging one another with the miracles that they were experiencing, she lifts praise to God. So Mary, this ordinary girl who has been given an extraordinary gift, who's now carrying the presence of God, the light of God within her, 
She doesn't turn to praise herself or to question who she is to bear such a thing. She turns to praise God. And we're going to return to Luke in verses 46. Mary's song starts with this. Mary said, with all my heart, I glorify the Lord. In the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God, my Savior. He has looked with favor on the low status of his servant. Look, from now, everyone will consider me highly favored because the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. He shows mercy to everyone and from one generation to the next who honors him is God. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. He has pulled down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has come to the aid of his servant Israel, remembering his mercy, just as he promised to our ancestors, to Abraham's, and to Abraham's descendants forever. What a beautiful song. And I think this is why we know why Mary didn't ask the question, who am I? Because instead, she knew who God was. Who am I? You are the I am. And she lists some characteristics of God that I don't want us to miss in this. She talks about him as Savior. In verse 46 or 47, she says that you are the Savior. Her people knew God as one who saved them in their times of trouble from slavery and exile. She said, you are the almighty, that there was no physical authority that could hold God back. She knew him as merciful, and she knew him as provider, talking about providing food for the hungry, but also protection in times of crisis. And she knew him as faithful. He kept his promises to his people. This is the God Mary knew, and it's from this place that she said, Lord, I am your servant and nothing else, when presented with the opportunity to carry the light of God. Now, Mary was the vessel, this oil lamp, if you will. Her faith was the oil. So even before she sang this song, because she knew God in these states, in these ways, she was filled up an ordinary vessel with the oil of faith. And then all it took was God coming to her to tell her what he had for her, what he desired for her and her people. And light was sparked. Oh, way better than Stephanie is able to. And then this ordinary vessel became a carrier of light, that then walked through Israel and lived her life carrying the light of God with her, God's presence, the light of the world. And because Mary carried this light of the world, we get to carry it because Jesus didn't just stay with Mary, but was born and died and rose again, defeating the ultimate darkness of death. We become carriers of this same life. And all of our ordinary vessels, we too carry this light. This is what God has for us today. A reminder that he, his character, his very nature, 
is to give light and purpose and power to ordinary people, ordinary vessels, not because of who we are or what we've done, but because of who he is, because he is still our savior. He is still powerful than anything on this earth or in heaven. He is still merciful. He is still our provider, and he is still faithful. That is what the Lord wants us to receive this morning, to really understand Mary's response of, I am the Lord's servant, not because we have to out of religious obligation or we feel pressured to because maybe someone dragged you here, made you watch this link online, and so you think, well, I got to do what everyone does, drink the Kool-Aid. No, the Lord wants you to understand, I am the Lord's servant, to relieve us of having to answer the question, who am I to be great enough? Who am I to be good enough to do this? And appreciate that it's not about us. It's about God. And find the empowerment and the relief (laughs) that comes with that. So let's top up the oil of our faith and take our eyes off of whether or not we are worthy enough to be a vessel and back onto the light that we're carrying and where God might want us to take it. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of this, and when I was reading these scriptures, and it was really speaking to me about God's character, I still found myself thinking, you know, oh, but I can only hold so much. (laughs) I don't know if my faith is as great as Mary's. I don't know if I as a vessel am big enough or good enough to do all of these things. And maybe you're thinking, you know, I had a really rough week. So metaphorically, I might have a couple cracks in my lamp and I'm not able to hold what I thought I could. I want us to together set those lies aside for what they are and say we're not going to listen to that anymore because our effort, our effort whatever effort we put in, however good we can be, it is meaningless without God's light. As I mentioned before, some people would decorate these oil lamps with intricate designs, but if it was not lit, those designs meant nothing in the dark. You can't see any of your accomplishments and the skills you gain and the beautiful aspects of your unique personality if you are not carrying the light of God because you are still living in darkness. We need the light. We need light, and then that light accentuates the gifts that God has given us, the places that he's put us, the way that he's made us as people. But so often we get it the other way around. We're too busy carving special designs, getting accommodations, and, you know, I got a theology degree, which I worked really hard to get a first in, but to be honest, that means absolutely nothing when I stand up here if I'm not carrying the light of God. If I'm not open and willing to have him speak through me, I'm just a decorative lamp in the dark. (laughs) So when we go to our workplaces and our schools, when we share with loved ones how the Lord has changed us, if all we're talking about is what we did on that journey, we are not carrying the light of God and we're as helpful as designs in the dark. Let us be encouraged and emboldened as Mary was, not by ourselves, by who God is. When I was a little kid, I was deathly afraid of the dark. (laughs) I had so many light fixtures in my room. I had a lava lamp. I was born in the 90s. I had a rope light. (laughs) I had something that projected lights onto the ceiling. 
because I, I hated being alone in the dark. And maybe you're that way as a kid too, or maybe you would, or maybe still, when you get ready to turn a light off in a room, the second you turn it off, you bolt. You run to your bed. You know what I'm talking about? You run up the stairs, because even though you logically know it's okay, you still don't want to be left in the dark. We can often be scared of the dark. And as I was reading Mary's words, I felt the Lord say to me, Steph, you're still scared of the dark. And even though I don't need a nightlight anymore, you'll be happy to know, I am so scared of the darkness of this world that sometimes I run when I should stay. Recently, a really close friend of mine lost someone that she loved, an amazing woman of God that I had the privilege to know. And in the darkness of that grief, where I know I should stay, I found myself not focused on what God wanted to do, but thinking, what can I do? How do I make this easier for her? What can I say to fix this? What, what wisdom should I know right now to make this okay? And there have been times in the past with ones that I loved that I realized I'm not enough to relieve this grief. <laughs> I'm not enough to make everything okay when nothing is okay. And so I ran because I felt like it would be more harmful in my inability to stay there. But as I was talking to my friend as she was sharing her loss with me, I just relented and said, Lord, I can't do anything about this. I can't fix this. But I can love her the way you love her, the way I love her. I can be her friend as your Bible calls us to sit closer than a brother in all seasons, and I can pray for her. And in that moment, as Lord was speaking to me about still being scared of the dark, he contrasted in my mind these times where I faced this darkness of grief, and I ran, and then that time where I faced the darkness of grief, and I carried the light into it. I said, I can't, I can't do anything. <laughs> I'm just a vessel. But this light makes all the difference. And it's that way when we look at our worlds and we see how much harm and hatred and injustice is. We can turn off the news and stop watching. We can tell ourselves, well, it doesn't affect me. And while it's healthy to get some space, if that's all we do, we're running from the dark. When God has asked us to carry the light there into conflicts with loved ones, into stressful presentations at work, into the places we would rather not be and we would rather bolt from, God asks us to carry his presence there, not because we're going to fix it, really not anything to do with us, but because of who he is. When we focus not on who we are, but what we carry, we will no longer be scared of the dark, and the dark will lose every single time. The problems of this world are way too big for any one of us. And even if we all got together, I'm not sure we could solve world hunger or make every war stop before it starts. But if we all carry the light of God into those circumstances, I believe with 100% faith and expectation that tides would turn, that as scripture says, that weapons would be put down and broken and instead people would be given tools of building. The darkness will always lose when we take our eyes off of ourselves and put it onto God. So who are we? We are the Lord's servants. We know who God is. I just want to say this morning, I was... Whereas I was praying, I felt like I got a word, and if this is for you, I'd really love to pray with you after the service. 
But I just felt like the Lord say that there is someone who is feeling that trembling fear of the dark, and he's just saying, you don't have to be scared of the dark anymore, and that he is there with you. He has never left. And what feels like it's pressing in on you, that is a lie, because his light breaks through the darkness. I just felt like that needed to be said. So if that's you, I'd love to pray with you after this service. Um, But we can all carry God's light into our own darkness as well as the darkness of the world. And I want to take a moment for us to imagine if we're not focused on the vessel and if we're carrying this light, what that looks like. So if you in your hands as God's vessel are holding the light of God, then what you do is you carry his presence into every dark place. So into the offices where you work, where people are nitpicking at each other, where your presentation is overwhelming you with anxiety, where it's all striving for success. You carry the presence of God into your office, into your cubicle, into the hospital ward where you work with people who need healing and help. You carry the saving presence of God into schools where you teach the next generation, you're carrying the almighty power of God that has the answer to every question, even if you don't. As we walk to our neighbor's front door, as we return parcels that accidentally got sent to us, or we knock on their door to say Merry Christmas and invite them to a service, we are carrying the faithful, merciful presence of God that says no matter what you've done or who you used to be, I still love you. A light much more faithful than the wick that I lit. Um, And as we walk into our family situations and have Christmas dinners with different family members this season, I would encourage you to picture yourself holding in your hand the light of God into every relationship and every conversation and knowing that he will be faithful to you and provide the words to say and can share that saving love that Mary talks about. And into our own lives, We feel that we are facing a darkness that's too much for us. Whether you're struggling to make ends meet or just feel despair, when the skies darken and the light goes early and it just feels like too much, you can know you're carrying the light of God, the presence of God into your day-to-day. And as Mary said, he is faithful We each have an opportunity to carry a saving light that transforms lives, power that is beyond any law of science or law of the land. We carry a presence and light with us that is merciful to those who have been hurt before, who maybe flinch away from it. What God gives them is love. We carry a light that provides, that takes after the little day-to-day things as well as the big things that does not fear in the face of darkness. And as Mary showed us, we carry a light that is faithful, that unlike human lit wicks, does not waver in the face of darkness. It stays with us constantly. It's not something we have to chase after or constantly relight. We and others can know a light that saves, that's more powerful than anything, that shows us how to be merciful, that provides when we're in need, and that is faithful forever. 
But what we have to do is we have to answer the question as Mary did. Not with who am I, why me, of course me. No, I am the Lord's servant because of who you are, God. Because I know you. And if you've never experienced this feeling of faith before, never experienced what it's like to hold God's presence within you, to carry a light way more powerful and faithful than yourself into situations, that is available for you today as well. God is not withholding his light from anyone. He brought it into the world for everyone. So as we go into a time of responding to the Lord's word, I just want to encourage us, as Mary did, to dwell on who God is. And let whatever you respond to right now be not out of yourself, not out of what you know and who you are and whether or not you feel good enough to respond before the Lord, but let us cry out in praise and repeat over every place of darkness that we want God's light to shine, whether in our own lives or in the lives around us. Repeat who he is, Savior, Almighty, Provider, Protector, Faithful, Merciful, and respond from that place of, Lord, this is who you are, and I am the Lord's servant. Amen. Amen.